Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to a new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast presented by Barry Law. I'm John Bishop, and alongside Connor Happer and Josh Peterson, we are going to be very basketball heavy. After all, basketball is basically the only sport going on right now at Creighton University as we are well now within the throes of Big East play. We'll catch you up on what the women have been up to a little bit later on in the show. Also coming up this week, we're going to hear from head coach Greg McDermott. Also, Coming off his 32-point performance on Christmas Day against DePaul, we'll hear from Trey Alexander. And coming off a career-high six blocks the other night, Tuesday night to be exact, against the Seton Hall Pirates, we'll hear from Ryan Kalkbrenner. Also, Josh and Connor with a recap of everything that's been taking place over the last week or so. It's a very intense period with both the Creighton men and women fighting for upper division finishes in the Big East Conference. A huge weekend coming up for the men that we'll talk about now with head coach Greg McDermott as we switch things over to our colleague, Connor Happer. Are you sleeping a little better now than you were like two or three weeks ago? Uh, I mean, you sleep until you watch some UConn video <laughs> and, then, and then you're right back to where you were before. So, uh, but you know we played a little better. We had to, you know, we had to protect our home floor to kind of get back in this conference race. And fortunately, we've been able to do that. But uh, you know, now we've got a, you know, a tough ten day stretch ahead here with, uh, you know, playing the three best teams in the league. So is it? And this is the the kind of I, I know Ryan Kalkbrenner affects everything. Um, and so it can it be as simple as you get him back and and everything sort of changes because. I mean, to to the viewer, it, it sort of looks that way. I guess, how do you sort of pick apart um, what has happened in the last couple games compared to when you were struggling in the month of December? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously he's, uh, in terms of guys that have played minutes for our program, he's he's our most experienced guy. Um, so you, Andy's, you know, he's, a, he's the anchor of our defense. He creates a lot of things offensively with, around the rim. Uh, that people have to figure out how to game plan for. And, and, uh, you know, with him out of there, obviously it's a totally different look. So, um, you know, he's, he, he, he definitely is very, very important uh, to our team. And, and I think, uh, I think we saw there in a few weeks when he wasn't healthy and then when he was out, uh, you know, we're, we're not the same team without him. So, um, you know, it's great to have him back and he's feeling better and, you know, gradually getting himself back into, shape. I know during that time too, another thing you talked about the other night was you you had to have sort of some conversation, you know, when you're, when you're not winning, everybody, you know, needs to look at themselves in the mirror, look at least a little bit, but from a leadership perspective, I guess how important was, was that to sort of go through at least a little bit for your team? Like in in retrospective, do you think you'll look back at those at that time and, and say it was a positive for your group? Well, I hope so, because that means things ended up well. Right. Uh, 
you know, you, we've we've dug ourselves a hole, obviously, that that you don't want to be in in this time of the year, um, because we, you know, we lost a couple where we had opportunities to win, and uh, but, you know, it's it's a the, the ebbs of ebbs and flows of every season. It's it's different every single year, and every team's different. Uh, even when you have guys returning, when you bring new people in, uh, the dynamics of the team change, and you figure it out as you go. And you know we're we're better now than than we were at the start of the season. And my hope is that a month from now we'll we'll be even a better basketball team. Well, the, the hallmark of of your guys' team last year, and you had to do this because you were forced into a lot of situations last year where you had to fight through adversity, and there was guys doing different things and and playing different roles and things that they weren't used to used to doing. And this group has now had to sort of battle through that a little bit. Like, and, and you talked about you know, the other night putting them in some situations and drills and practice where, you know, they had to, they had to get it right. I guess that just talk a little bit about this group and battling through some, some tougher times and some tougher moments, not just, you know, over the last couple of weeks here, but throughout their, their time at on campus. Yeah. You know, we've got some really talented guys with, you know, professional aspirations and those, those aspirations are justified. I mean, they, we've got some guys that can can really play, but it's it's uh, you know it's still at the end of the day it's a team sport, and it doesn't matter how good one individual is, is if if you're not operating as a unit, uh, you know things aren't going to be great, and they're not going to be as good as they could be. And I, I think we've we've learned the last few weeks to count on each other a little bit more, and that that there's going to be mistakes made in the game, and uh, you know can you can you overcome those mistakes? Can you get back and, and, and make sure that one mistake doesn't lead to the other end of the floor and become more than one mistake? So, you know, our guys have improved in that regard. And, uh, and, you know, and it was good to be back home. You know, we were, we were gone a lot uh, the month of December and late November. Uh, So just to be back at home, have a little bit of consistency in our schedule has been good for us. Uh, and hopefully prepared us for you know what's going to be a very difficult road trip the next five or six days. You talked a lot last year about um, you know how how impressive the leadership from from Ryan Hawkins was. Who who has been it, like it probably just doesn't take one voice to replace him from a leadership perspective. But have you seen that grow throughout the first couple months of the season? Because I, I know that was sort of one of your questions going in. Who's going to step up and sort of grab this? Yeah. Who's the loudest voice, and and how has that come along? It, it, it's somewhat still by committee. Uh, you know, I think Kalkbrenner does it in more of a subtle way uh, in, in the huddles, uh, <clears throat> in the locker room, um, and and he has everybody's respect because of you know how he goes about his business. Uh, I think Ryan Nemhart, Baylor Shireman have, have really stepped up the last couple weeks with their their voice, and it's been more consistent. Uh, <clears throat> we don't have a Ryan Hawkins, and you know Ryan Hawkins was. <clears throat> excuse me, is one of those guys that he just, that he didn't, he never had a bad day. And, and that, that, that's infectious when that happens. Uh, but there aren't many of us that are blessed with that. Uh, so we've had to kind of learn to do it uh, in a different way. And, and I think guys have, and like I said, I think they've really come together the last two or three weeks. And I think some of the adversity that we went through certainly has aided in that process. Uh, but you know we're far, we're still far from a finished product, and that's what's that's what's exciting about this group. D- does that have to happen sort of organically? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I noticed there there was one game when your guys are going through a tough stretch. It might have been after, uh, might have been Marquette after you guys came back from from Vegas, and and I I noticed that 
Baylor Shireman is, you know, he is really, really being vocal out there, whether it's after making a shot, making a play, talking on defense. Like, you can have conversations with those guys, but it also sort of has to come naturally as well, whether it's on the floor or just in the locker room. Yeah, it's very difficult to force leadership. Uh, I think it's, you know, some people are blessed, uh, you know, with the ability to lead uh, at a young age, and that kind of carries over into life. And some guys, you know, aren't really put in that position. And then you have to learn to do it. And you, you learn you learn by living it and making some mistakes and, and maybe wishing you would have done some things different. You also learn by watching other people that are that you respect as leaders and try to figure out, you know, what parts of of their leadership and their leadership qualities can what will work for me uh, because you can't try to be somebody else. You have to be genuine uh, when you're trying to lead a group. And, and uh, I think our guys have done that. And uh, you know, it's uh, like I said, it, it was something that certainly was a concern at the start of the season. And it's, it's, it's gradually happening as we move through the year. But the beginning of the season here for, um, for Arthur Kaluma, who is, you know, I, I think, he he's so unique in in his sort of skill set and what he's able to to bring to you guys and you have to sort of find a, find ways to get him in successful spots and I think there was a lot um, at least from from my vantage point where he might have been trying to do a little bit too much over the first couple of months of the season the other night you, you noticed a little bit of a difference with him what I, I guess what have those conversations been like with Art and I know he's trying to get healthy too um, yeah. I, I guess what how has that been with him as far as the start of his season. Yeah, yeah, and, and everybody forgets he, you know, Arthur basically missed August, September, October, uh, coming off that knee situation. So uh, he was behind going into the season, and he's worked really, really hard uh, to get himself back in, in shape and and get his timing back. Uh, I thought he played his best game against Seton Hall. I thought he he picked his spots when to attack. He moved the basketball. Uh, I thought he was his activity on the backboards on both the defensive and offensive end was as good as it's been all year and. He really came back, uh, you know, after Christmas break with a with a mindset of, you know, I've I've got to find other ways to impact winning when, you know, maybe my shot's not going the way I want it to be. And you know, lo and behold, when you find other ways to impact winning, it seems like you end up finding yourself in situations where you get to score a little bit more. Uh, so, you know, he really kept some possessions alive for us uh, in the last game and and his practice really well. I thought he had a great stretch uh, from Christmas uh, up until the Seton Hall game and. And, you know, hopefully he can carry that over this week because he's going to be really important in these next two games. How do you sort of manage, I mean, one thing, and Greg McDermott, by the way, head coach of the uh, Creighton Blue Jays, joining with, joining us in the Connor Happer Show on 1620 The Zone. Um, but, you know, you want to get bench guys as involved and as much experience as you can, but you know you have to sort of lean on your on your main five in order to win and especially win big games. But the the how what have you seen in the emergence of whether it's a Francisco Farabello doing his role Mason Miller knocked down a couple threes in the in the Seton Hall game and then gotten some foul trouble and and Fred King stepping in and doing a nice job um for for Kalkbrenner when he's out Th- those guys I guess what's the sort of give and take of of wanting to get them in games and get them really key experience and also you, you know who you have to lean on to 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 get big time wins. Yeah, it's you know it's all based on how you practice, and you know Farabello, you know, has got a lot of experience. He's played in a lot of important games uh, during his career. Uh, Sharif has done that as well, um, and Mason and Fred are you know they're they're freshmen, and there's there's going to be peaks and valleys to how they play. I think they've both 
shown signs of what's to come. And now as a freshman, the, you know, and, and Ben Stolzberg, Stolzberg is in that same boat. Uh, now can you do it consistently? And, and that's, that's what being a freshman and learning this, the college game is all about. But, you know, we, we need our bench. There's no question. Uh, we're going to, and I, th- I would like to think that, you know, some of the minutes they got in the Seton Hall game uh, can be helpful for, helpful for them. It's film that we can watch with them uh, where they can learn and grow. And instead of watching whether somebody else does it right or wrong, you get to watch yourself um, and, and be put in those situations where you have to make split second decisions on, on each end of the floor. So, um, you know, I think that group is getting better. Uh, that's the good thing. I think Farabello's obviously been the most consistent uh, of that group. And, you know, Frederick made, you know, he really grew during that time when Kalkbrenner was out. Um, and, you know, we're going to need that continued growth as we move forward. Uh, Coach, why does the why does the blood pressure seem to go up when, when you play UConn? Uh, you know, they're just uh, – it, it's a very physical team and uh, a very talented and skilled team. Uh, now, they didn't shoot it great last night, and, you know, that was a big reason, and Providence is really good as well. But, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a physical, physical basketball team. You're going to – you know you're going to be in a street fight, and, and every time the shot goes up, there's going to be bodies flying all over the place. And you have to prepare yourself for that. Um, and, you know, playing at their place, uh, you know, we're going to play in their on-campus mm-hmm. arena, which is might be the most difficult place in the Big East to play. Um, and coming off two losses, obviously they're going to have plenty of uh, uh, plenty of venom ready ready to go when, when the Blue Jays roll the town, especially, you know, we, we were able to beat them uh, each time we played them last year. So um, it's a big game for both teams. You know, we're trying to stay in the conference championship hunt, as are they. Uh, and, you know, you have to go on the. You're going to have to go on the road and win in this league if you're going to win the league. And and uh, it, it won't be easy, but we're looking forward to the opportunity. How how prepared? I I know you know you got a bunch of guys on that team who who went through it last year. Um, but it, it seems to me that you have a core of guys who who like the street fight. You know, <laughs> who who in, sort of embrace that idea, and and you always sort of hope they do. I I, I don't know. That wasn't that wasn't the the image of of your program. You know five, ten years ago, and now it feels like you guys can win basketball games like that. How did that sort of morph? Is it just in the guys you get, or is that you know purposeful in, in how you wanted to build a team? Yeah, as we're moving forward to the program in the Big East, you have you have to have a uh, – obviously we recruit skill. Skill is really important to us, the ability to handle the ball, pass the ball, shoot the basketball, have a high basketball IQ is, is really important in our recruiting, but you also have to recruit some toughness as well. And, and you know guys that can play through adverse times and be able to execute when 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 things aren't easy when the crowd's against you when the referee's whistle's not going your way, you know can you can you do what you're supposed to do in those situations and and we grew a lot in that regard last year uh, uh, during during a stretch where we had some injuries and we lost some guys uh, so you know hopefully we can lean on this lean on that this year as we as we really embark on a you know a very difficult road trip this weekend winning games in different ways i mean that's that's something that you have to sort of be able to do you like what's the give and take in that you have to you want to have an identity and you want to sort of be who you are but also you know you know that bleep's going to hit the fan at some point you're going to have to win in in some different ways uh, i guess how how have you been able to sort of create that that environment too yeah, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, basketball. At the end of the day, you're, you know, you're going to play defense and the other team's going to take a shot. And you're going to play offense and you're going to get take a shot. 
we want to try to get as good a shots as we possibly can. We want guys taking shots that are some of the best shots for them. And our goal defensively is to try to make sure that their team is not taking shots they're totally comfortable with, that maybe from an analytic standpoint, it's not as high a percentage of shots. So, um, you know, that's something that really goes into our thinking. And when we prepare for every game and then when we're practicing, um, and, you know, defensively, you, that was the reason we were able to be an NCAA tournament team last year. Our offense was not consistent. We didn't shoot the ball great. Uh, but defensively, you know, that travels. You you can you can have a chance to win if you can go on the road and defend. And, uh, you know, some, some games are going to make more shots than others, but our hope is that we're taking the right shots, and we think if we take the right shots and we defend like we're supposed to be, uh, we may not win everyone, but we're going to win a lot more than we lose. And, uh, you know, that's the that's the approach we've got to go into this game at UConn with on Saturday. Uh, how excited is uh, Cockbrenner for Sunogo on Saturday morning? Yeah, I mean, two really good players. And, uh, you know, they had a couple uh, really good battles last year. And, and uh, you know, it's going to be important that we can keep Ryan out of foul trouble, probably just like they want to keep Sunogo out of foul trouble uh, to keep them both on the floor. But two very talented, two very talented guys that, that impact the game on both ends of the floor. And, you know, some, some big guys can score, but they might be a liability on defense. Uh, both of these guys are, are, are elite on both ends of the floor. Blue Jays and UConn. Coverage begins on 1620 The Zone and 101.9 The Keg. 9.30 a.m. pregame show. Robbie Lula hosts Blue Jays shoot-around on The Zone. And then... At 10.30, yours truly and Taylor Stormberg will take the reins with tip-off shortly after 11 a.m. Omaha time against the UConn Huskies. And, of course, all the post-game as well on 16.20 The Zone and 101.9 The Keg. 1620 Jays podcast is presented by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. His left hand trade, pull up three, but it's off no good. Shireman though, offensive board. Give it back to Trey. Shoot that three again. Yeah. 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 Let's go. 32 for Trey Alexander. Trey Alexander did something that no Blue Jay has done in over a half century, and that is set a personal career high of 30 or more points without his previous high being in the 20s. Previously, Trey Alexander's career high was an 18-point effort in last year's NCAA tournament against San Diego State. Well, he skipped right on past the 20s and finished with 32 on Christmas Day against DePaul. Here were his thoughts after the ball game on Christmas. I asked Mac, I told Mac before the game in our pregame interview, I said, man, Mac, it feels like Trey's just due. He's going to have a game where the shots are going to start to fall. But honestly, I thought it was going to be back to your mid-range game. Yeah. I did not see the threes <laughs> raining in today. How did it feel? Oh, man, it felt great uh, just to know, like, kind of a little slump that I was in, like, not even from the three. I think I was shooting the ball all right from the three, but mm -hmm. really for it just to kind of get back in all facets of the game. So it felt good, and it was a good way to end out the year for sure after kind of a rough couple stretch of games. So it was fun. 
Trey, it seems like the last couple of games they've gotten you the ball in your hands a little bit more, initiating the offense. Yeah. Is that something that kind of helps you get going with your shot? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a lot of things. Like me and R2, we we don't we don't care who comes down and gets the ball. But I mean, R2 knows that I can run the ball screen just as well as he can. We kind of feed off of each other in that because. I know that R2 likes to catch and shoot sometimes, and then sometimes I like to catch and shoot. So I feel like we just feed off of each other, and that's kind of kind of how the offense works. I mean, we, we both make plays on both ends of the court. So. Talk about the last three you hit. I mean, you missed that first one, but yeah. then Baylor got the offensive board. I, I mean, like, you were knew you, you were a 29, right? Yeah, you yeah, knew? yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> we but were I, all rooting for yeah, it. Me and, me and Mac was like, uh, after the game, he's like, now, if we were in a close game, we wouldn't have shot that one, would you? I was like, nah. I mean, he, I, we both knew that we had to go up at that, at that situation. Do you remember your last 30-point game? Oh, probably high school, yeah. It was probably, I think it was my, la my last game of high school, actually. So. Well, I was going to say, because your previous career high was 18 in yeah. the tournament last year. Yeah. So, I mean, you blew past that. Yeah. You almost doubled it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was fun, man. I was just telling uh, the guys in the press conference, they were like, how, how hot is this ranking your all-time, like, Christmas Christmas game? I was like, this is, a, this is a top one for sure, just to be able to, like, be in this atmosphere with all the great fans and kind of have everybody cheering us on and be able to get a win like this the way that we did. So it was great. Well, and it's Christmas Day. You're on national TV. Do you kind of feel like you're a little in the NBA player today? Uh, man, it, it was fun. I was like, we got the, the baby blues on and things like that. So, yeah, I'll count this as some Christmas jerseys. So you know how the NBA <laughs> does their Christmas jerseys. But, yeah, it was fun. I think this was a good thing for the Big East overall. I think it was great for them to do this on Christmas and for us to play the way that we did on for the last game of our season for the seat for this uh, year. I feel like it was a great way to end it and kind of hopefully you can roll over to next year. Are you wearing the Christmas sneakers? Uh, the, the, I would call these the Christmas sneakers. Oh, oh the, I was going to say, the, the, the oh, pink no. Out. No, the pink you have to, oh. Yeah, go. I, I got, I got well, the guess, pink outs. Guess, guess he was wearing the pink outs next <laughs> game. <laughs> 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 Definitely going to be superstitious with it. <laughs> Outside R2, 12 on the shot clock. Back to Shireman on the cross court with 10. Shireman tries to get away. Drops a beautiful pass down low. And a dime to Big Ryan for the dunk. And Shaheen Holloway says, I need a timeout. What? What a beautiful pass by Baylor Shireman. Tuesday night, the Blue Jays dominated Seton Hall as they went on a 19-2 run midway through the first half, led by as much as 32, and ended up pasting the Pirates by 22 points, 83-61. to And it was really one of the first times this year that Ryan Kalkbrenner has looked 100%. Sure, he has had some big scoring efforts. He's had a couple of double-doubles this season. But his activity, especially underneath the rim, which he is so important in terms of this drop coverage that Creighton plays and the defense that he provides at the rim, just seemed to take the Jays to another level on Tuesday night. And as long as he continues to remain healthy and feeling good and 100%, the rest of the Big East Conference, just like last year, is going to have their hands full. We caught up with Ryan Kalkbrenner after the win on Tuesday night. Did you know you had six blocks tonight? Um, I think I knew I had like four in the first half, but... You actually had five. I, oh, I had five. <laughs> no, I got myself in a little trouble actually in the second half because I got a foul on when I was trying to block when I should have just walled up. <laughs> but I knew I was getting up there and I was trying to get a little more. It seemed like tonight... And, you know, we keep, you know, we've been talking about it and talking about it. It seemed like tonight, it, at least to me, you tell me because it's your body, mm -hmm. you looked like you felt 100%. Yeah, I mean, I still think I have a little bit, like, conditioning to get back into it. But, like, I feel like I don't feel sick anymore. I feel like I actually have energy to run up and down the court. 
which, you know, hasn't been for a lot of games this year. But, you know, it's, it's feeling great. I'm finally, like, can feel like I can do the things I know I can do out there, and it just felt really good. Yeah, Carl, talk a little bit about how it's felt to kind of come back and play like that. Three games at home now, 3-0 and before going on this big road trip. Mm-hmm. But talk a little bit about the momentum that's carried uh, throughout this team over the last three games. Yeah, I think after our little losing skid, we realized how important it was for us to like really be connected with each other on like the defensive end and talking and all that. And we started to build that and look better against Butler. It looked even better against DePaul. And then tonight it looked like best it's been all year. And I think that's going to be really key for us moving forward in this season. When you face a team like Seton Hall that can really try to press you and spread, how important was it to stay within yourselves, to be patient, and to wait for those openings because you know they're going to be there at some point? Yeah, I mean, anytime you're playing a team with pressure, you just got to have a little poise and make the right plays and don't try to force anything up. And I think I know a lot of us are still sophomores, and I mean, I'm a junior now, but we got a lot of experience from last year. These are guys who know what they're doing, and then we got guards like Trey and Nemard who are always going to take care of the ball, so that makes it a lot easier. But it's definitely our experience is starting to grow on us, and it makes it easier to play against teams that try to speed you up and force you into mistakes. Same set to start the first half as it was to start the second half to try to get you the ball. Yeah. You kind of caught it a little deep on the first possession and then came back in the second half mm-hmm. and had a nice, easy bucket. Yeah, I mean, Mac tries to get me the ball from time to time. <laughs> sometimes it works out. Sometimes I need to be a little stronger. But it worked very well to start the second half. Picking pops are always fun because it usually leads <laughs> to some kind of an alley-oop jam. But how important is it for you to be able to score just one-on-one, you get the ball in the post, and make a move and make someone, you know, come up and try to get you? Yeah, I mean, it kind of just opens up a lot of stuff in our offense. If they can't guard me one-on-one in the post, if they want to guard me one-on-one, then I just I have to be able to go down there and score. And then once they realize they have to send people, then I just got to make the right reads, and we're getting easy buckets. So I think that's a big part to what we do, and if I'm able to do it, kind of like it was sometimes tonight, then it opens up a lot of stuff for us. Cook, I, I gotta ask, I gotta ask, but there's there's a great big man matchup coming on Saturday. And What's that guy's just, name? Again? I, I don't even know his name, so we're just not even gonna talk about it. But and I know you guys have competed pretty well against each other in the past. But uh, talk a little bit about how that matchup, how much that means to you going into Saturday's game uh, against Sonogo. I mean, I think. Anytime a player at your position gets picked for player of the year, then you're like, you want to you wanna play really good against them. And I thought, I thought I did a pretty good job last year, and I just want to carry that over this year. You know, it's, anytime you have a good game against the player that was picked to be better than you, then you can kind of be like, I showed you all right. So I just got to go in there and do what I do, and things will take care of itself. Do, do you guys ever communicate much? Do you, I mean, whether it's in a game or off the game, you and Adama communicate a lot? No, I didn't know him before college. I never really talked to him in the game. It's not like I have anything against him. It's just, you know, it's on a different teams. I, I was I don't curious because, really you know, it's a big some, man matchup. Yeah, yeah, it's a big man matchup, but sometimes, you know, game respects game. And yeah. let's face it, he's he's the leading scorer in our league right now. No, he's definitely a good player. I just some, I don't really do a lot of talking out there unless someone tries to jab at me first, and then I. <laughs> Then it's fair game. But. Hey, yeah. now listen, we missed this last week, but, you know, Trey was getting chirped at. He goes off yeah. for 32. Hey. Was someone chirping at you tonight about blocks or something? I, mean, <laughs> I 
They you had just, more blocks than they had as a team. They came in one of the best blocking teams in the country. They only had two blocks tonight. You had six. Hey, that's that's a little bit of credit to my teammates though for making the right reads when we get into the get into the paint. But you know, it's about time I blocked some shots. Got off to a slow start this year in that area. You did, but uh, certainly made up for it. Great game tonight. Beautiful line. Uh, looking forward to Saturday. These next two games are really big. Oh yeah, be a lot of fun. And with more on the Jays, let's turn things over to my colleagues, Connor Happer and Josh Peterson. Thank you, John. Uh, Josh Peterson, Connor Happer with you on the 1620 The Jays podcast. We've decided that we're going to do a once a month check in with the men's and women's basketball teams as uh, both teams, of course, chase NCAA tournament berths uh, this year. And uh, we do so now, Happer, for the first time in 2023. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Happy yeah, New well, Year. It's good because for this, for the first, I don't know, a couple, at least two months of 2023, there's only going to be men's and women's basketball going on. So, um, you know, once, once baseball start, we'll be able to, you know, kind of uh, branch off a little bit. But yeah, this is, this is what we have right now, men's, women's basketball. And, um, you know, we're, we're rolling deep into the season now as the new year turns. Yeah. And it's been an, it's been a really interesting stretch. We'll, we'll begin with, with the women, but the last time that we talked, it was towards the end of last year. We were kind of looking at the rear view the the non-conference schedule had just finished up. You know, they had that, that tough loss on the road at Stanford following a, a home loss versus Arkansas. They'd lost three of four since then. They played three more games and they're one and two in that stretch. Now, I think one of those certainly is going to be very understanding, right? It, it was a game that I was on the call for versus UConn on uh, Wednesday, the 28th, so a week ago and a, and a day ago. They, they fell 72 to 47. This was a really weird game, man, because they got off to just, I mean, the worst start perhaps that you could imagine. UConn goes up 10 nothing in the blink of an eye a couple minutes into the game, and the crowd, which of course is energized, a sellout crowd like you're always going to see when UConn comes into town, they were taken out of it, and they never really had a chance to engage. Creighton was able to kind of keep it within 10 points for a while, but UConn ended up just absolutely pulling away. But they rebounded really well on New Year's Eve with a 10-point win at DePaul, and then a yeah. real tough loss at home this week, earlier this week, versus Providence. So I guess since we've last t- talked about them, I guess where, where are you sitting right now with the Creighton women's basketball team? So it's tough because, I mean, y- you mentioned it. We've talked about that their schedule and the way they decided to sort of do this. And, and the, the non-con was tricky in the first place, and you're on the road quite a bit. And then you, you mix in those three early conference games, and they were all on the road. For, for Creighton, but they, they won two out of three. They slipped up a little bit against St. John's, who's you know been a pretty solid team this year. And then when you fire back up conference play, after coming off of the Stanford loss on the West Coast, you come back home and UConn's sitting right there for you. So I, I don't know, maybe this is the result of, and that, you know, the loss to Providence earlier this week, I mean, that's, that's going to be the one sort of ding, I guess, so far. I mean, all their other yeah. losses are, are to teams who are going to be really, really good, or they're just close losses. Um, so you'll look at that Providence loss and say, man, what, what happened? Um, what's, what's funny is, I mean, they made 16 threes that night. They made 16 threes yep. on Wednesday night to go 50% from three. So, I mean, if you see that from a Creighton team, you're, you're, you know, you're going to be like, yeah, they're probably going to have a chance just couldn't get a stop on, on the defensive end and Providence, you know, they, 
Uh, Creighton had them early, and then Providence just kept battling in, and we're you know pretty much back and forth, two point game, five point game, six point game throughout the you know remainder of the the second half basically, and Creighton was never able to get over the top. So maybe you can you know kind of I, I don't know about reset because you're really in the thick of it in conference season now. Sure, um, but you know there's there's if a loss like that because especially at home becomes a trend that's when you start to get a little bit concerned as of right yep. now i think it's probably just a little bit of a slip up yeah you know you mentioned the threes they, they made 11 threes in the first half so they had a real good night they went 11 of 19 and i mean that was a huge issue for them in the the loss to uconn they started one for 20 i believe they were one for 20 in the first half in that one the the oddity of this one is you're following it along earlier watching it early creighton is up 14 points basically halfway through the second quarter. And you're thinking, all right, nice, a nice uh, win. They're going to rebound now after that tough loss to UConn, after that really tough stretch. And they're going to get a couple of wins in a row uh, before conference play continues on Sunday. And they will return home on Sunday afternoon versus Marquette. This is a part of a three-game homestand. And so that's why this one, I think of all the losses so far, perplexing I, I saw one Definitely. Uh, yeah. one one local journalist describe it as the first bad loss of the year and I think that, that fits given you know what obviously what the rankings are of the teams that they have played uh you know to this point in the season so I just you know what we, we've we've spoken Providence hadn't won a game in conference yet I mean they yeah that was their first win in conference so. yeah and so it's gonna drop gonna drop Creighton out of the top 25 and and you know you and I both talked to to Jim Flannery the head coach quite a few times this season sometimes on the podcast sometimes on our radio shows and you know I, I talked to him ahead of the the broadcast that we're doing for the games and you know I don't I didn't really ever sense any concern, like even going into the UConn game, like he's a generally optimistic kind of guy, but going into that one, I think he was feeling pretty good, you know, that they had, they'd lost some tough ones definitely, but I, he, it seemed like it was fixable. So for them to shoot so well from three and to lose, like you said, to a team that now just picked up their first conference win, that's the one where, you know, I wonder when we do our, our recap a month from now, when we're re- reviewing what, what happened throughout January, I guess I wonder how we're viewing this game in that context. And, and could it be a fork in the road moment for good or, or maybe even for bad? It's funny because, I mean, you know, and I mentioned the the schedule piece of it earlier, too. So, I mean, this is this is relatively normal, but this is sort of how it's set up for them during the break. So they played on the West Coast on the 20th, split off, went home for a couple days, you know, got got Christmas and then came back and UConn's there on on the Wednesday, the 28th of that week. That's, that's sort of like a short condensed week. And then boom, you're back out in Chicago playing DePaul on Saturday and, and Providence and Marquette this week at home. I just, you know, it, 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 I think it takes a second. You're, you're playing non-conference games and maybe you have a week off in between or, and you can kind of sort of manipulate the schedule, however you want to make it. And they wanted to challenge themselves, but I do think it takes a second to sort of get back in the, into the rhythm. That's, I, I don't know. That's, that's not an excuse for, for, you know, the slip up here um, against Providence, but it's, you know, they, they've had a real grind of it early in yes. the season. I don't, I don't think it's really cause for much concern yet. Yeah, and so we'll see we'll see what happens with them uh, in the coming days and in the coming weeks. Of course, you can hear Creighton women's basketball all season long on 1180 The Zone and on uh, News Talk 1290 Coil when they return home this weekend. It'll be John Schreiner and Rob Sims on the call. That's a Sunday game 
versus Marquette. That game uh, tips off at 3 o'clock. And then next Wednesday, the 11th, I'll be on the call with Rob Sims for their matchup with Seton Hall. So you can hear those games on either 1180 The Zone or News Talk 1290 Coil. So that's where the women sit at this point in time, 9-5 and five on the year and 3-3 three and three in conference after that tough loss uh, on Wednesday night to Providence. So now it's funny because we're going to switch to the men and if we have totally this conversation reversed. right yep. three weeks ago, we're literally the opposite. We're saying, wow, what an incredible start for the women. They look like a world beater. They're ready to maybe match the run they had a year ago. And we're like, what in the world's going on with the Creighton men? Uh, we're, we're not really having that conversation anymore. And let me let me ask you this question to, to kind of lead us off. Is what has happened lately all about the return of Ryan Kalkbrenner? Is it about them maybe needing to kind of get kicked in the dirt? Like you had some real great clips on the Connor Happer show earlier this week from McDermott after that game, talking about how they practiced. And I wonder, I guess I wonder overall what, what you attribute the, yeah. the recent success to after the six game losing streak. Well, I, I think, you know, obviously you, you tie it to Kalkbrenner, but you, you almost don't like, you almost don't want it to be that simple. Like you almost, mm-hmm. and, and maybe not if you're the coach, I suppose, but you, you want to like sort of look at it and say, yeah, I mean, what was it really, was it really just that? Or there was there other things that we got better at while we were down basically in the month of December. And I, and I do think it's, it's a little bit of that too, but I mean, Kalkbrenner makes everybody better and, and he, you know, he makes their defense, um, you know, really legit. And that's, yeah. that's, that's their whole deal. I and mean, that's, that's sort of the way they wanted to orient the team. Right. I mean, that's the way they did it last year, funnel everything right at the big tree in the middle and, and he'll swap. I mean, Seton hall, um, you know, a pretty offensively challenged team, mm-hmm. um, they, they they don't have too many shooters or guys can get a bucket. So what they what they have to do is they have to score at the rim. They weren't scoring at the rim, you know, on on Tuesday night. So um, you know, I you know, you look at Butler and DePaul and Seton Hall, and you're like, okay, you know, let's see it happen against UConn. Well, here come you know, you're going to UConn. Here comes UConn. <laughs> so Saturday morning, I mean, maybe by the time you're listening this year, pre gaming with this podcast. Uh, you're enjoying a breakfast casserole and you're going to watch uh, Creighton play UConn on Saturday morning. But I, I do think, um, you know, I'm optimistic, I, I guess. I, and I think, um, you know, before you make the declaration that they're like all the way back, um, you, you have to wait a little bit longer. What's what happens in this two game stretch, but hearing from Mac, I just, I, I sense this sort of, quiet confidence almost. And I think as a coach, you probably think to yourself, man, I'm actually sort of happy that we went through that. Like you were saying there, like they had some, they had some really tough practices and Max said, you got to go in and we're struggling right now. And, and Kalkbrenner's not here to save you and you're not leaving the drill until you figure it out. And they had to figure it out and they figured it out. And yeah, they had real adversity. Yeah. The real life adversity for, for the first time after being told how good they were all off season. Yeah, I think that how you kind of framed the last three games, I think, is a good way to do it because essentially, like, if you can remove, if basically, let's, let's say this, we, we don't know at all what happened in the first 12, and you kind of get dropped into the season, not knowing the record of them as they go into that game versus Butler, and they win that game by 22 with your preconceived October notions, you'd be like, yeah, that's kind of what I expected yeah. to happen for them, right? right? And they do the same thing versus DePaul. Yeah, that's what I expect. They do the same thing versus Seton Hall. So it's interesting because those were really important bounce back wins and they needed them, right? Like they couldn't keep losing if they have any shot at making the NCAA tournament. 
But because of how those previous six games looked, and I think if we're being honest, it's more about the four games, how the four games in particular looked in that in that losing streak, especially the last couple. Uh, Nebraska-BYU, Arizona State-Marquette. Bingo. And so that's yeah. why that's why they 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 now they look like, OK, that's what we kind of expected. Me in October expected them to beat those teams by double digits and they beat all three of them by double digits. They looked like a good offensive team. Kalk Brenner was I mean, especially this week, the game on Tuesday, he's flying around. He's all over the place. It's like, yeah, that's why I expected. So all of that to say. I mean, this UConn game on Saturday is just so damn intriguing for a few reasons. One, everything, I guess, that we just laid out, right? But the other is UConn has been chirping about Creighton, like going back to the preseason, going back to the media It's a little bit of a rivalry. Yeah, Yeah, and Creighton Creighton has owned them. And you know that that has to to really irk a school, you know, uh, like UConn, national championships back in the Big East, and this school from Omaha is coming in and, you know, drinking our milkshake. So – uh, I, I can't wait. I think that this is this is the first conference game of the season that I am looking forward to watching with Creighton, maybe without my you know hands over my eyes. Because <laughs> especially after Marquette, I was kind of you know a little weary on watching them and just knowing what's going to happen. This one, though, I think, all right, are they the team of the last few games, or are they? Do they still have a little bit to go? I can't wait to find out. You know, it's funny the the UConn thing. It's it's mostly centered around the idea of Adama Sadogo being, you know, the, the they really wanted him to be the conference defensive player of the year last year. And yes. Ryan Kalkbrenner got it, and that that you know, it's it's a program that gets a little, you know, um, they care about their basketball a lot, right? Yep. So yep. <laughs> they yep. they they get a little defensive about it. And you're right. I think you characterize Creighton pretty well in this scenario. So um, it's an interesting sort of dichotomy in a setup on Saturday where Creighton was the the preseason big dog. And now they come in with, you know, with their shoulders are kind of loose a little bit because I they're not they're not supposed to go to UConn and win on Saturday morning. But right. everybody knows they have the guns to. Yep. So like this is it, it's a really interesting, you know, sort of setup for that game on Saturday morning. Yeah, and how about the game two following that at Xavier? You know, another team yeah. that is at this at, at our recording, uh, they're 18th in the top 25. So, I mean, back-to-back games on the road against top 20 teams. Uh, so it should make for a, a really interesting couple of games. Anything else with the month of January? I mean, they, they'll have Xavier coming back to Omaha at the end of the month uh, for the pink out game, which will be obviously a very special experience on Saturday, the 28th. But anything else that, I mean, is, is has your attention? I guess maybe it might be hard to look past UConn just given how big this game could be. It's definitely really significant, and and that's you know that's that's a huge one. And you always you know I, Villanova doesn't come up for a couple of weeks yet. I do want to sort of go back. So it's funny how you know th- these when you have a different shade of glasses on, you know things can look a little bit differently. If you can if you can comfortably say, and I'm not sure that you can quite yet, but if you're of the of the thought process that like Creighton's past this, they're they're mm-hmm. past a month of December. And that's behind them now. You can then look back at December and actually say, well, I don't know how bad that was. I'm just, I'm looking at it right now. And I, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, they're in a bad way right now. And watching the games, they, they were, it didn't look like what they were supposed to look like. Especially by the end of it, right? Those last three, especially. But, but they, they lost to Arizona by two. Texas by five, Nebraska by 10, BYU by three, Arizona State by two, 
and Marquette was the worst one. Probably. That was the bad uh, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. By by eleven, they only scored fifty eight points. But they never like they never got drilled in any of those games. It's just funny, um, you know how I I don't know if you could say all right they're just back to being what they were basically when they were hitting their stride going into Maui. But Max said on on Tuesday night after after Seton Hall they played their best thirty minutes of the year. Um, and that includes <laughs> that, that includes when they were in Valley. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, you know, I think you feel pretty good about them right now, but there's still a, a, a there's still like a wonder of what's going to happen when you get the big dogs and you got two big dogs coming up in a row. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, pregame coverage will begin on Saturday. Like, like Happer said, maybe you're listening to us right now as you enjoy a breakfast casserole. I'm, I'm more of a, like oh. an omelet or a breakfast sandwich guy, but uh, isn't that what you said? A breakfast casserole? Is that is that what I it was? Probably, yeah, probably yeah, casserole. Yeah. A little, little bacon and eggs. Yeah, uh, but if Absolutely. it's not Saturday, and or it is, it's Saturday really early. Uh, Ravi will have a Blue Jay shoot around starting at nine thirty on sixteen twenty the zone, Ooh. and then uh, John Bishop and Taylor Stormberg they will have their pregame coverage for the game starting at ten thirty, and it'll tip off just after. 11 o'clock so as we said at the outset we'll be doing this once a month checking in with the men's and women's teams i i wonder if if it will continue to ebb and flow where we're saying positive things about the men negative about the women does it flip again in a month or or maybe for the first time since the preseason are we positive about both i can't wait to find out well we know it's really tough to rip off winning streaks in this league on both sides so i i think it's probably going to ebb and flow a little bit Yeah, it should be a a whole lot of fun. He's Connor Happer. I'm Josh Peterson. We'll send it back to John. The Creighton women will be looking to dig themselves out of a hole as they find themselves currently at 3-3 in league play. Three games back of first place UConn, two back of second place Seton Hall. The Jays back in action Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock against Marquette. Coverage on Sister Station 1180 The Zone, KOZT AM, will be at 3 p.m. Again, Creighton and Marquette women's basketball at Sokol Arena, Sunday afternoon. The Creighton Blue Jay men, after their game on Saturday against UConn, remain on the road. They're in Cincinnati to take on top 25 Xavier. Pre-game coverage on 1620 The Zone and 101.9 The Keg on Wednesday night will begin at 5.30 from Cintas Center with tip-off at 6 o'clock. Then, after that, the Creighton women, also in action on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. tip, Again at home against the Seton Hall Pirates. You'll be able to catch that game on 1180 The Zone. And that's a look ahead at what is happening in the next few days in Creighton Athletics. We will, of course, be back with a fresh new podcast from 1620 The Jays next week. Podcast drops every Friday morning right here where you found it originally. Or just make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And the 1620 The Jays podcast is presented by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. For my colleagues, Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, I'm John Bishop. The 1620 The Jays podcast is a co-presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? 
Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.